What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are doing Season 3, Episode 3, The House of Quirk. No, The House of Quirk. How's it going, Mike? I guess House of Quirk isn't totally out of the the descriptive realm of possibility. It is a quirky episode. It is a quirky quirk episode. Uh, Keith, it is going well. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to talk about the episode. Uh, watched it with CEO Jen yesterday. You can find that on our Patreon feed. And uh, there's there's plenty to talk about. Number one, uh, how we're going to possibly keep up with Jen's high ratings because she is just going she berserk. It. She loves everything. Jen loves to love. Uh, well, so, you know, look, don't worry. There are some bad episodes oh, coming good. up. I'm so, glad to hear that, yeah. So <laughs> do not be disappointed. Jen's going to give – what? actually, you never – here's the problem with Jen. She's too nice and too positive of a person. She's she is like literally she's like a she's like a Disney character. She's like happy and positive and nice. And yeah, all of the time. It's 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 really it's really upsetting. Uh, but, it is uh, upsetting. Sometimes you want to be cranky, <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god, can I? I shouldn't have been cranky. To can her. you be cranky around? Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, you 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 definitely even that out in the relationship. It's true. Yeah, I I am the litmus test of any of any situation. <laughs> You definitely balance out her crank. But it's just the two of us. It's just like crank and crank. Oh, it's no good. In fact, I'm looking at us right now and I'm like, this is a, this is, (laughs) if you were to take someone's uh, angry white guy manifesto and, and, and do an abracadabra on it to, to make it people, (laughs) this is the faces you would expect. Maybe not the actual people, but the faces for sure. I, well, I mean, possibly, I mean, definitely like the graying beard yeah. and the paunch. I mean, uh-huh. that, those are two definitely, and, and the hoodies. Yeah. If, that's if, definitely if the Unabomber shopped at Old Navy Kids, this is. <laughs> <laughs> or Old Navy Tents, whatever yeah, it is. Whatever. Oh, yeah. my. All right. How do we get out of this? We don't. Let, we don't. We need to escape this intro that we're doing by introducing our patrons yeah. that you can join at patreon.com slash K&M. Uh, Mike, who's patroning our patrons' patrons? The patrons of patrons, Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Bren, Joshua, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious. Mm. Worf's Boot, Shivies, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky, at Grim underscore Toys Delusions at Noon. Hey, you see that empty space in space? That's where yeah. your name goes, and you can join space the team. Space is infinite. At patreon.com slash K&M, where it's not, just, it's, just, it's not just this slide, Keith. No. People should know. You get other stuff. You get to watch me watching Deep Space Nine with uh, the aforementioned CEO, Jen. You also get bonus episodes. Keith and I just watched an episode of The Next Generation, which we do behind the paywall, and we had a grand old time doing so. We sure did. Uh, we're going to be doing more of that. We've got uh, other unboxings. Yep. We've we watched the animated we do AMAs. series, AMAs. We do all kinds of stuff. Uh, you can get that content by joining the patron. But additionally, you help support the show. Supporting the show offsets our time and helps us keeping bringing you this great content. In fact, folks, below my face, I was going to ask. You've discovered a new thing. Below my face on the YouTube page. I get it. 
I, there are a ton of people on YouTube and on a podcast that I want to subscribe to their Patreon. There's Everybody's so much stuff begging there. for money. Uh, but sometimes you just, you only got a, a couple of dollars to throw around and, and the monthly thing adds up. I get it. We're streaming all the things too. But sometimes uh, we, you still want to support your sh- the, the shows you love. And you can do so if you like this content, these 90 minute deep dives into episodes below my face here on our YouTube channel. Now you'll see a thanks button. If you click that thanks button, it's going to give you a variety of uh amounts of cash that you can tip us uh and it super comments it animates your comment i don't know what it does to be honest with you but it helps support the show you can be a we producer old but you can tip us we yeah. like tips uh and that money goes directly to help support the show the content and all the stuff we do here which is building a community for you that's all we're going to do but the begging all right that is enough begging for money let us uh, do our my favorite new segment, and that is the fourth opinion. Oh, and yeah. that is yeah, yeah, yeah. the fourth rating we get for last week's episode, which the was fourth, fourth, fourth opinion. opinion. Okay, that's why I have a dial that turns Mike softer. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm really excited about this. So uh, last week. We started the fourth opinion, which means at the end of every episode, uh, we give a rating out of one to a hundred self-sealing stem bolts. And Mike and I give one. And then CEO Jen gives the third opinion. But the fourth opinion is yours in the comments on YouTube below. So we have last week's fourth opinions. But as you're listening to this episode, as you're watching this episode, you need to be working on your opinion on the House of Quark, which we will announce next week. So the last week's episode was The Search Part 2, and here are the ratings. Joshua Cronin says 95. Frank Rinch says 90. The Perceptor says 92. Sans Deity says 92.75. You got to do some math on that one. Mm-hmm. Delusions at Noon says 90, and of course our buddy JD says 92 for an average of 91.95, which I think is a very solid and fair rating. And you know what that means? We have a winner out of you, me, and Jen, who is closest to the crowds. And uh, guess what? Last week, Jen won. This week, Mike, it's you! What can I say, You gave it a 91. I'd like to thank the Academy Oh, I'm being, I hear I'm, I'm being played off. I'm being played off. Yeah, <laughs> we've been played off. We need to just get ourselves played off the internet. So uh, there it is, 91.95. Next, uh, so leave your opinions on the House of Quark, and we will join you to last week's viewer ratings. So what do you say we talk about this week's episode, season three, episode three, The House of Quark? Let's do it. This aired on October 10th, 1994. The top song continued to be, I can't wait to hear the tune, I'll Make Love to You, from Boys to Men, Philadelphia's own. I'll make love to Quark, cause I'm a Klingon, I didn't want to, but by the episode I think you kinda earned it, cause sex is a monetary recompense if you help to get disposition. <laughs> what was that word when Klingons <laughs> like get the house that they had lost the house, but now they get it? Dispensation. Dispens- Discommendation, uh, I believe. No, that's not right either. 
Oh, well, Dispen- whatever it dispensa- is. Uh, anyway, I shouldn't have tried to work it into my bad song, so my apologies. Um, I, in fact, uh, hurt my own ears on that one, so uh, oh I, can't, oh, oh. I can't imagine that was pleasant for anyone. I can't wait I also for have a comment. cold. I just sound terrible. It's, it's endlessly bad. begging us not to sing. We're never going to do it, but you're never going to stop asking us not to. So we have a great standoff here. The top movie this week was The Specialist which was a Stallone and Sharon Stone movie, oh. which I don't remember uh, whatsoever. I could probably, we but, could probably in 11 seconds guess the plot of that film. We're not going to, but I bet we could. Know, I feel like we could. I bet there's a, probably a grenade launcher involved oh, at yeah. some point. 100%. So uh, if we, clearly we weren't watching The Specialist, we stayed home instead to uh, watch what was on the tube this this uh, this wonderful Monday night. Yeah, Keith, I got a couple of things for you here. Uh we were watching, of course, on ABC. I talk about it every week. We had Coach mm-hmm. Above and Beyond the Call of Hayden. Blue Skies was what the show that aired at, at 8.30. Have you, do you remember what Blue Skies was? Not at all. Uh, the t- episode was If You Knew Daddy Like I Know Daddy. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Keith, Monday Night Football. Your yeah. New York Giants versus the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sure it all went well. Minnesota wins it by a score of... 27 to 10, and we'll talk to you next week from Mile High Stadium. It's Kansas City against Denver. Yeah, so it that didn't go well. That sounds about right. Uh, the, 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 uh, we got pasted by Warren Moon yeah, and the good to Minnesota see. Vikings. It's good, always good to see a lefty. It was, it was more rare then, but always good to see a lefty. Was Moon left? Yeah, Moon was a lefty. Oh. He was, he was always in the AFC, so I didn't get to watch him play as much as I'd love to. It was a good... Great player. I think. I might be wrong about that, but anyway. I think you're wrong. Yeah, it's highly likely. Uh, interestingly, here on TV lefty. Tango, there is uh, BBC One is listed, but they don't they don't say what was on. It's just empty. CBS, The Nanny. None of your business. Dave's World. Murphy Brown. Love and War. Northern Exposure. Melrose Place was on Fox, mm. Keith, and I just love the, ep- the name of this episode was Non-Sexual Healing. The Keith okay. Varney Story. <laughs> Followed by Party of Five. And, of course, NBC had the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Blossom, and NBC's Monday Night at the Movies was Voices from Within. <laughs> can you tell I had that queued up the whole time? You sure uh, did. You, you, you sure did. You sure did. Ah, uh-huh. the, all, the always sensitive. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out uh, yesterday's uh, Geekly, or Monday's Geekly, where we talk about compassion and empathy. Exactly. Well, I, I, I actually have to say I have, I have a great, great quote from my ex-wife who uh, yesterday uh, – we, we still live together. We're still best friends. Anyway. We're, so all, I was saying, we're all one family. So it's, it's, we're all one family. It's all so, good uh, fun. So I, I was bragging to her because I was looking at our YouTube analytics. Hmm. And I was like, I can't believe people have wasted 971 hours of their lives watching us this month. Yeah. And immediately she says – well, that's less than you've wasted. So, She's not uh, wrong, man. She's not wrong. <laughs> was, oh, she meant that as a joke. She's very supportive. Anyway, uh, was, I definitely made me laugh. All right. Uh, let us now get into the hard news. What do you say? Keith, it's, it's what's for dinner. It is the weekly world news headline. Uh, look out. Uh, guys, Hillary Clinton is pregnant. Woo. Wow, they have a bundle of joy due in April. My goodness, yeah. So uh, I, I've, I, it, it's so funny. I don't remember uh, meeting 
uh, this this new bundle of joy that at this point would be uh, like 30 something years old. But, uh, you know, alas, UFO fleet terrorizes city for 20 days. Wow, that's a lot. Bottom of your foot tells your fortune. Two NFL quarterbacks are gay. Reveals top tennis star. That's oh my goodness! Weird. I gotta clutch my pearls. Hero cat saves bird from blazing house. I actually saw a great little video on uh, the dodo where this like little Tweety bird was cuddling up with a puppy, and it uh, it made my week already. Well, there it is. All right, so. The House of Quark. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. This was directed by Les Landau, who last directed Whispers. And was written by Ronald D. Moore with a story by Tom Benko. Which means it's time to get into something trivial. Now, Keith, waste your time. Which Mike did not change. Trivia. Did you give the updated one on that? I sure did. Told you all about it. Well... You know, you win some, you lose some. You know, but Mike and I off offline had a very long discussion about uh, all of the bumpers have been compressed to the point of Keith? oblivion. Local file, Deep Space Nine, hashtag season three assets slash trivia fix dot MP4. Well, Is well, well. The... So we well, clearly oh, well, have to right. un. So it's wrong. It's right, but it's still wrong. So we will. Now, Keith, waste your time. <laughs> Keep you can hear it on the on the cra- on the symbol crashes for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I yeah, I don't. I have to just, find the version to version and try to fix it. All right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so Should I play it again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I put the sweatshirt on to uh to like not have my old T-shirt on, and uh, I am sweating so bad. It's so hot in here. My computer is like. A thousand degrees. Jen walks into this room and she's like, "Why is it so warm?" I was like, "Because my computer is basically a radiator." Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But speaking of old T-shirts, look at mine. Yeah, you did. I've literally got a and I got fired T-shirt on. All right. What I hate when I get the time tops on like Facebook or whatever, and it's like this eleven years ago, and I'm wearing the same T-shirt. It's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh god. I'm wearing the same T-shirt, but funny, it got 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 some more X's before the L. <laughs> All right, so uh, here's some trivial trivia. We need to move on. Uh, so uh, Keiko was written out for six months in this episode to make room for the Bashir O'Brien buddy story. Hmm. So sorry, Mike. You mean it wasn't just to save a marriage? It wasn't just to save a marriage. It was also to allow, you know, uh, Colin Meany was doing a lot of movies at this point. So he uh, he also needed to uh, go do some more movies. Uh, O'Brien also says in this episode that Bajor is three hours away from the station. But it was five hours in the alternate. And I know what you're thinking, Mike. Oop, continuity error. But no, that is entirely consistent as Bajor is orbiting a star while Deep Space Nine is in a static location outside the wormhole. Yeah, so or they just got a faster runabout. Now the, the new shooty shoot ship travels faster. No, well, no, it's not that. It's not that the orbit. It's a science, man. Speaking of science, uh, guess who visited the set this week? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking visited the set during the filming of this episode. Mike, you're not allowed to read anymore. Spoiler. No, I spent money on that. I'm reading it. I just read it like this. 
No. Well, hold on. We, we, you have to you have to read the spoiler alert in our comments. I think Delusions at Noon does that. Yes, he does. So uh, I didn't get anyway. it. So I read it. Okay. All right. Fine. So uh, Stephen Hawking, Star Trek fan, would actually appear on an episode of Voyager playing himself. So that's pretty cool. And lastly, Joseph Ruskin appears uh, in the original series Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, and Star Trek Insurrection. So one of the uh, amazing guest stars who have appeared on almost every incarnation of Trek all the way through the 90s, including the original series. Uh, Very, very cool. And so... uh, this is where I'd say, what was Voyager doing? But Voyager's still in pre-pro. We still have a few more episodes while we are the only flagship thing of Star Trek. Uh, so as you mentioned, in football, the Giants got pasted by the Vikings and the Eagles beat future Congressman Heath Schuler and the Washington racist names. Mm. Would you believe that? Our guest stars this week include Rosalind Chow as Keiko, Mary Kay Adams as Gorilka, Carlos Carrasco as Degore, who also did two other episodes of Deep Space Nine and one of Voyager. Max Grodenchik is here as Rom. <clears throat> Robert O'Reilly making his first appearance as Gowron on Deep Space Nine. Joseph Ruskin, I mentioned, playing Tumic. And John Lendell Bennett as Kozak, who will later play Gabriel Bell. Mike doesn't know what that means, but it's important. And he was also a stunt performer for pretty much everybody uh on the show at various points in trek shall we go into our screening room mike keith i thought you'd never ask Mm -hmm. i shall now hit the button (laughs) oh (laughs) you said that with such pomp and circumstance (laughs) so confidently <laughs> I shall now push the button. <laughs> that didn't work like I thought. <laughs> okay. So in our teaser, here we are in the house of Quark. It's late at Quark's and Morn is about to get some. How do I get his life? Morn clearly uh, is more successful with the uh, with with the ladies than anybody would possibly anticipate. He's got a shot with Dax. I even anyway. thought I had to I had to explain to CEO Jen who Morn was. That was that mm-hmm. was funny. You should check out the video just for that. Uh, I'd <laughs> I'd love to see how you would explain that to Jen. So uh, Quark commiserates with Rom about the bar being empty. There's nobody there other than one drunk Klingon drinking blood wine. The bar is empty because people are afraid to come to Deep Space Nine due to the Dominion threat, uh, which I loved mm-hmm. um, because it it makes sense. It's continuing the, the Dominion storyline uh, despite this not being an episode about it. It definitely adds to the... I don't know, it's great. I'll talk more about it later. Well, and, the it, drunk- and it, keeps the, it keeps the vibe that we are... <clears throat> You know how some, I, I remember, especially in seasons one and two, you'd mention how they'd sometimes decide to flip flop air dates or whatnot. And here right. it keeps the continuity pretty much in check by you know referencing yep. even in like you said even an episode that's clearly going to <clears throat> I think establish that not everything's going to be all Dominion all the time. 
the threat is still there looming and having repercussions on things taking place on the station. Yeah. And I, I think I was saying it last week about like the 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 context, the you know, the 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 salt of the dominion is sprinkled on every episode moving forward. So even though it's like, oh, things are different. We're under threat. Yeah, we're going to do this silly episode, but like, ugh, people are afraid to come. So anyway, the drunk Klingon is out of money and Quark tries to throw him out. The Klingon pulls a knife and they have a brief struggle before the Klingon falls on a knife and is killed instantly. Uh, Klingons are really hard to kill unless you need to kill them quickly at the end of your teaser. Uh, so in Act 1, Bashir confirms that the Klingon is indeed good and dead while a big crowd gathers. Isn't there like uh, the infirmary that's like real private or just over there? <clears throat> just over yonder? Do we have to do this right here? Well, I believe... Yeah, it's, it's tough to say because... Uh, Normally, you would imagine that you'd beam him directly to the infirmary, right? Yeah. Or leave him where he is for the crime scene. Yeah. To to investigate it. But in this case, we've done neither of that. We've moved the body and put it on a gurney, not taken it to the infirmary. So you've sp- both not taken the best medical care and contaminated the crime scene. However, yes, Mike? I was just going to say, I'm seeing Odo overseeing right there, and I realized, I, re- I read last night in the Companion, and you failed to mention it. You didn't fail to mention it, you just chose not to mention it. Mm-hmm. But even this early in season three, uh, they had changed Odo's prosthetic again. He's, it went from three pieces down to just the one face piece. That's true, yeah. And uh, those face pieces, you can actually find. Yeah. Uh, he sa- Anytime that he was able to pull it off in one piece... He saved it to auction it off for charity. That's so cool. they're That's out cool. there. You can you can absolutely get uh, if you have one, one his... and you want to send me a cheek or so. Uh, <laughs> hit us up at uh, what is it? What do we look? What was our show? What is our email address? K and M Entertainment at gmail uh, Sure, that, that sounds like an email address. Uh, yeah. Thanks. What what's happening? Oh, luck, luckily you can't hear that. But who's oh. Like starting videos automatically, you can change auto. You can turn but, auto roll off. But I think. it clicks. Up, it's <clears throat> so annoying. I think you can. Also, like that. Shark Tank is screaming in my ear on a regular basis. No deal. All right. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's a great like third screen when you're working. All right. Anyway, where the heck are we? Uh, the the crowd has gathered, and Quark smells opportunity. The story of his bar fight with a Klingon will draw customers. We also see behind him his logo going by on the screen behind him. I have watched this show for 30 years and never noticed the Quark logo in Quark's bar on the screen behind him. Very cool. So Rom backs him up and Quark retells the story of a bunch to a bunch of enraptured extras thoroughly overdoing it. Yeah. But Armin does a great comedic performance of the story of killing the Klingon. Uh, so later, I- I'm surprised you didn't mention the extras, just like, oh my god, Whoa! like a hundred of them. I mean, they were explicitly directed to be like that, so. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous. So, uh, he's finished his story, and we head in and, uh, check up on Keiko and, oh, Chief O'Brien. 
and Keiko is working on a bonsai tree when O'Brien shows up and grabs a giant beer. He says giant, and it's kind of small, while complaining about his day. Keiko's upset. We find out why. She's had to close her school because all of the students, other than Jake and Nog, have fled the station too. Uh, We reinforce here that this is not a Dominion story. The specter of them impacts everything else moving forward, like we just said. Uh, There aren't going to be any more families on the station. And uh, Rosalind does a great job of not overdoing her distress while trying to hide it. Um, I mean, again, love the consequences Mm -hmm. playing out here. And and I love change, you know, because Deep Space Nine was was a little bit Enterprise D ish in the fact that it had families, it had kids running around, and now it's no longer safe for that. And um, fascinating, I think uh, it, it's well, logical. I think that Rosalind Chow here, you know, on rewatch, I was up watching it in the first time, but on rewatch, I would act. I, I was really complimentary of her performance. She always. Not always, but often is tasked with a lot of making having to make subtle choices because the stakes are are more internal, I guess. Like here, she's tasked with playing the uh, the wrestling with potentially having to recognize your life without your passion, right? Or It's, or, it's an existential yeah. threat to her sort of identity here. And so that's not like a, she's she's not mad at, at O'Brien. She's not mad at anybody. She's just dealing with what is my life if not this, if not yeah. X. Uh, not on rewatch though, I would, I would think, think about it. As an actress, she's being kind of written off for a little bit because right. I mean, the show <laughs> wants to go in a different way. They want to give her, her her screen husband time to do movies, and also we with want to work husband. some other pl- with, with some other with, plot lines. So it's really kind of there. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's definitely some, and and I think you know you asked uh, a while ago um, about the character of Keiko's reputation among the fans and how um, she's not a fan favorite. And I and I think it, it's a little bit unfair, and I think I think there's a little bit of sort of built-in misogyny there, because I, I think the issue is Keiko is frequently unhappy, mm-hmm. and and frequently sort of dissatisfied because you you know we we first meet her doesn't want to be on the station she's looking for something to do she's looking to have a purpose and she's followed her husband you know around and and has to deal with the consequences of that. But the fact that she's sort of unhappy and an obstacle to the character that we... <laughs> uh, that's not how you spell her name at all. How is it? <laughs> what is our guess? I think it's K-E-I-K-O. But that also could be wrong. Uh, this is what we're going with today. Okay. All right. That's great. Uh, anyway, I, I, I think that just like her voicing her dissatisfaction for very reasonable things is not a reason to dislike the character. We, you know, it is an object. We, we love miles so much, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we love him so much. We don't want anybody like annoyed at him because we're such a big fan, but I think her sort of dissatisfaction makes a great deal of sense here. Great um, mother. She's a great wife. She's clearly a really good botanist. I would imagine she's just, she sight unseen got that job on the other ship. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. and I think that, you know, and her 
why wouldn't she be dissatisfied? Because, <laughs> you know, she she changed her occupation. Then her second occupation was deleted. In fact, deleted. it's kind of heartbreaking a little bit later when, at the end when when Colin, I think they're great. I I really love the, the portrayal of their marriage because there's it, the – there, it's often an equal footing, and a lot of times you see marriages portrayed with this leverage where it's bouncing back and forth. And I think yeah. theirs is always pretty even keeled, and I really appreciate that because that's how I feel I operate in mine. Um, anyway, uh, when he offers her this opportunity or uh, urges her to, to pursue the opportunity, I should say, he doesn't gift wrap it for her. Uh, she she says, "I know I made a commitment." to to commit to this life with you and I don't want to break yeah. that and I'm like it's kind of heartbreaking to f- that feeling of like no you're not breaking it we can talk about it later when we get there yeah no but it's a, I loved it this actually, B story I really did I, I, I really do too it, it feels well, you know, I, I think I think for those of us with a life like ours right you know we're, we're you know we're both married to actresses and the sacrifices you have to make you know you're out of, you're out of town for you could be out of town for two years you could, you know, you have to get up and go immediately. You have to whatever, and the sacrifice we make for our careers and how that impacts, you know, one's one's relationships. I think it's it's very, um, it's very real. It's very impactful, and I and and at least to me, this rings very true. It also changes, which is something I didn't recognize or expect. Right? Mm. Yes, I understand the definition of sacrifice. You can't have both things in their entirety. Right? Yeah. Uh, but. That sacrifice doesn't feel as heavy when you're young and single and, you know, like, oh, I don't get to live in New York. I thought I was going to be living in New York, but I'm only there, you know, 60% of the year, 40% of the year if I'm lucky. But then as you get older and you have, you like your backyard, you like your terrace, you like your nights together, you like those things. And you recognize, oh, I have to give up that for four months, six months, three months, eight weeks, six days. It's, it changes. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And and it gets all the more complicated with things that we don't have, like kids. Molly, yeah. Well, right. I mean, which, like we don't specifically have? have Molly, but or kids. <laughs> we don't have Molly. We do have many cats. Uh, but anyway, no. I, I I really like. Yes, yeah. we'll we'll talk about moving it more, but forward. Like, I love this story. Yeah. So, uh, back in the bar, it's packed again, and Odo is staring at Quark, looking for an opportunity to tell him who he just killed. Turns out. He was the head of a Klingon family, a powerful one at that. He then, of course, asked Quark, would you like to retract your story or wait for the Klingon family to come looking for revenge? Quark actually sticks with his story that I heroically murdered him and kicks Odo out. Rom tells him, you know, we made enough profit now. Uh, You should recant and say it was a mistake. But Quark has gotten a taste from the cup of respect, and he's not going to stop drinking. He's Quark, Slayer of Klingons. Which is awesome. Uh, fantastic. And he says, no worries, I'm going to offer the family a bribe. This is where I actually began to start thinking to myself, I had an answer already, but I, I, I might have asked Jen. I don't think I did. Anyway, could this episode even get this far? with anyone else than Shimmerman playing Quark. Mm. Because the you don't recognize it because it's so well done. The amount of gymnastics as a oh performer it takes to yeah. pull this crap off, like, and legit LOLs with some of the things Quark says and, and his delivery. And Hilarious. also, shown from some previous episodes, it's not easy to act in this prosthetic. And he gives such face 
And it's yeah. so much is necessary. And, and and shout out to Rom, too. He has some great stuff in this episode. What's the, the actor's name? Max Grodenchik. Yeah, he, he's excellent in this episode, too. Yeah, I, 100%. 100%. And because Quark, it's really hard to play multiple motivations simultaneously. It is really hard to lie under a lie under a lie and to tell that story convincingly. But under those prosthetics, you're right. It's it's a it's a miraculous performance. Also, shout out, I'm already thinking, shout out the sack on the production team and the writing team to be like, you know what? Episode three of the season, let's go full comedy. Let's full do a comedy, comedy episode juxtaposed to those two Dominion episodes. It That's- makes sense, though. I, I, it's, it's great. It's great. And, you know, this is uh, Ira Stephen Bear coming in here for the Ferengi's rescue, making them awesome. Uh, so later, of course, Quark is cornered by an angry Klingon. In Act 2, we find out, oh, it's Kozak's brother, the guy he killed, and he's pissed. Quark, of course, tells the truth. It was just a drunken accident. His brother, surprisingly, uh uh-uh, is pissed. Because if he died in an accident, there was no honor in his death. And that disgrace would dishonor his entire family. Uh, Now, this this is where, like, it's interesting to explore Mike's knowledge of Klingons. Um because you have seen some yeah, Klingon I, I had episodes. A, I've either seen enough or they've intimated enough that it all tracked. That it, You got it, the honor yeah. in the battle and the honorary It's death not that nuanced, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but he gives Quark an opportunity to say that Kozak died as a warrior in personal combat. And then we'll, we'll, we'll be all good. And then Quark knows exactly what's up and hilariously tells the tale of the valiant battle and promises to keep telling it Kapla. You could argue, although it's it'd be, a, it'd be a feeble argument, you could argue that Quark should already know all this stuff off the top of his head because clearly that ethic mm. code the or the moral code of the Klingons is uh, exploitable for business and for profit. And so he would, he would clearly know that knowledge. <clears throat> Probably, but it's a pretty big gamble when there's a knife at your throat. Yeah. Fair. Uh, so later in Keiko's in the O'Brien's quarters, miles has made a big fancy dinner to try to cheer Keiko up. He's a good husband and they're going to do it. Cue She's like, did you Mike's- install all of these Google lights? Because it is, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, they definitely done do it. Cue Mike's interest peaking. This is Keith. Uh-huh. Folks who are not part of my our Patreon, I highly encourage you to uh, watch Mike watch this scene with his wife, make a Keiko <laughs> comment, and then have to backtrack and explain his previous uh, relationship with Keiko to his wife, to which she just <laughs> smiles and nods and pretends like it's not weird. <laughs> Because she knows she's on camera. It is. Talk about levels. There are so many. Ooh. Oh, my God. That's as many levels as Quark. Yeah. Mike unravels into Quark while explaining his love for Keiko to his wife while on camera. And she knows she's on camera. Also, this is like such an uh, an accurate, uh, for me, in my experience, accurate portrayal of husbandry because it's O'Brien in a situation where his wife's upset, just assuming right. I can fix it, 
and it's probably uh-huh. my fault on some level. <laughs> and, and and also, like, I can fix this and maybe get some in the process. <laughs> Did you cook? Well, I mean, you could yeah, cook is, uh, yes, I door dashed it. But, yeah, I door dashed it. Yeah, but I mean, so, I like put it in a plate. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you happy now? You want to, uh, yeah. So uh, is it fixed? Yeah, fixed. Fixed you. Fixed you. Yeah. So naturally, the next morning, uh, they definitely done did it. That's the face of go, a man who thinks he fixed it. I did it. Whew. Uh, but Keiko is still sad. And O'Brien, to his credit, does clock it. So oh, what a great set. Go back one. Yeah. Look at that set. Oh, man, I want that. Anyway, you so, know, I, uh, I, watching, uh, I've been watching a lot of TNG. Plus, she's totally wearing Burial's robe. Yeah. Um, and one thing that stands out, so many things, the juxtaposition between uh, Deep Space Nine and TNG is like stark in many ways. But TNG, the lighting is just just like full wash all of yeah, the time. It is so, so bright. bright. And then yep. you have Deep Space Nine where they're like, yeah, hell no. Yep, that's exa- that is 100% true. So much more drama. Yeah, yeah. And which is why the lighting shift between the next-gen TV and the first next-gen movie is so shocking. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, when they lit it for a movie, it's lit like Deep Space Nine, but on the Enterprise D. It was like, what? what is happening here? You know what? I you know what it is. So, I, Keith, you know I love musical theater. I love... What? Uh we love it. Uh, and uh, one thing I don't particularly understand, I never was a huge fan of the opera world. It's just not, I respect mm-hmm. it much more than I enjoy it generally. But I'll say this. What I love about opera is the drama. And a lot of that is lighting. When you see the like the, just the mm-hmm. kind of epic lighting plots that these, I mean, because of scale in many ways, that that they employ in, in opera, it, it employs such a more dramatic kind of cinematic quality and I would say that that is a pretty good analogy to use between those two shows, right? Where the, the, the Deep Space Nine feels much more operatic in many yeah. ways. <clears throat> and certainly it's, it is all of the emotions felt on Deep Space Nine are much richer than on, I, mean, I believe me, love Next Gen with a fiery passion. Mm-hmm. But the emotional stakes take a second take a back seat to sort of the intellectual, the moral, the exploration, the sci-fi of it all. And Deep Space Nine is just much richer emotionally. Um, so there you go. Uh, my goodness, where are we? So in the bar, they're closed. So I guess it's still early morning. And Quark is counting his latinum. God, his costumes are awesome. Isn't it? Like, it's so friggin' good. Best costumes lost- on the show, far and away. Yeah. Uh, he's counting his latinum when a mysterious Klingon woman shows up. Her name is Grilka, and Kozak was her husband. She also asks, uh, was it an, an honorable death? Oh, great screenshot. Uh, did my husband die an honorable death? Quark says, yep, no worries. And she pulls a knife and says, defend yourself. <clears throat> Once Quark proves that he's a lover, not a fighter, he knows, she knows, he didn't kill her husband in combat and asks what really happened. Quark tells her the truth. So she naturally abducts him and takes him back to the Klingon homeworld. 
Um, so I think this also explains why he didn't quite know exactly the right answer mm-hmm. uh, in Klingon history, because, uh, you know, different motivations, different things. Um, so Quark wakes up on Kronos talking to an old Klingon in the house of Kozak. And we get our first, the uh, matte painting of the world of the Klingon, the whole Klingon homeworld, which we have seen on Next Generation before. But this is our first visit on Deep Space Nine. So we learn that Kozak died without a male heir. So their house no longer has a name. Do we, we know also this guy? Learn, he looks very familiar and I can't put my finger on it. Well, he's the guy from the original series. Oh, but do we know, like, the, as a, sorry about that, as a, um, uh, as a character actor, what else do I know him from? Uh, well, let's, let's look it up, shall we? So, uh, so he, his, definitely his, um, most iconic role. This is, uh, this is Joseph Ruskin, I believe. Wait, am I wrong? Uh, anyway, you look it up. I'm talking. Joseph Ruskin is his name? I believe so. Um, this is really good TV, folks. Yes. Because he, he played Galt uh, in the original series. He was the bald like leader of the, uh, the fighty planet sort of a deal. Um. But he he was in the Scorpion King. You probably know him from that. Oh, Smoking Aces, Star Trek Insurrection, Alias, The Scorpion King, Forsaken Western, Smoking Ape, blah, 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 blah. Did a lot. <clears throat> okay. All right. Anyway. Ton of Star Trek. Ton of Trek. Ton, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I introduced Lots him. Lots of video game work, too, for Trek. So, uh, anyway, we also, so so the house has no male heir, so they've sort of lost their name. We also learned that the brother is an enemy of the house. Um, and that we are now in a giant battle for the inheritance. So we're all of a sudden in an episode of Dallas. So if we learn that if Kozak died by accident, they might transfer the house over to Grilka, his wife. But if he died in combat, then the house will fall. So Grilka makes Quark put on a Klingon robe and she takes his hand and they speak some Klingon at knife point. They kiss and guess what? They're married. And that is the end of act two. Keith, there's got to be a custom out there that is Quark as Klingon, right? Uh, well, wearing wearing the Klingon robe. I, w- I imagine it probably exists. Or out in that there. last scene when he like enters the Klingon hall and he's like in full like yeah. Klingon battle regalia. That's got to be. I feel like Joshua's probably got one. Comment below if you've got one. Hashtag Mikey Wanty. Hashtag Mikey Wanty. Hashtag justice for Keiko. Okay, so in Act 3, we're in Cisco's office. We see Ben for the first time, and he's preparing Wait, battle hold on. This drills. is comedic. This made me laugh straight out loud. <laughs> she's oh, she's right. funny, too. She's, oh, a million, 100%. It's, it's a, so it's much a really good fun, face. So it's a really fun face. character. <laughs> the face on Armin there. So uh, they are preparing battle drills when O'Brien comes in. You know, again, reinforcing battle, dominion. Uh, we're under threat. We're under threat. Oh, welcome back, Ponytail. Yeah, Ponytail. Yeah, the, the weird Elvis Bob is gone. It's not a thing anymore. So uh, 
O'Brien comes in. Dax knows he's having marriage troubles. And she says, I've been a husband. I've been a wife. And I know that look from both sides. Boy, there's some wisdom in there. And I really want one of the pad props there on the Mm. desk. 100%. Like, if I could have, like, a Star Trek prop, I think it might be just one of the pads. Like a screen-used one. That'd be really cool. So, Cisco... I love how oblivious Kira is here, too. Like, what? Well, but she's... She's not oblivious. She's working. She's like, we, uh, war? She doesn't... Well, well, no, exactly. But her whole life has been war. She has, you know, she's only had one sort of serious relationship. She's never been married. None of this stuff, like, is interesting to her. She wants to blow stuff up. She wants to pew pew. Uh, and, you know, just do it with Beryl on the side every once in a while. So Cisco knows that Keiko is upset about the school closing. And O'Brien has an idea. All right. Plan two for O'Brien. Being a good husband, doing the best he can. Uh, he wants to convert a cargo bay into an arboretum. And Cisco says yes immediately. And uh, he's also really understanding about how hard it is to have someone's spouse be unhappy. Uh, and I, I, it's a it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You've you've got all the space on the station, making an arboretum. We've got the space for it. The security doesn't work. Like that's great. You know, she Keiko built an arboretum on the Enterprise D, uh, which we got to see in an episode or two. However, Cisco says, "I don't think it's going to work." We head back to Kronos, and we're at the Klingon High Council chamber, led by Gowron himself. Now, uh, do you know who Gowron is, Mike? Uh, only that I saw the action figure in one of our early episodes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it was like a Klingon parade. The, he is the Klingon leader. He is the leader of the High Council. We have met him several times before on The Next Generation, and he's known for his big bug out eyes, which you get to see a couple and of times. very cozy chair. Very cozy chair. We have been in this council chamber. There's a great two-part episode um, of Next Generation where Worf comes in here under much higher stakes. Where it's like it's very serious and very scary. So this is a sort of a, a reflection on that, the comedic version of it. Cool production tidbit. So they blew their money wad on the first two episodes. So they couldn't afford to shoot the entire – use the set for the the main chamber. So they had to use some like half half the room cuts to uh, to, to cut down on, on dressing yeah. the whole set. And the other thing that was happening while they were doing this in production was it was unbelievably hot. Yes, right. Uh, in While they were shooting this and, and they couldn't run the air conditioners because of all the smoke, the atmospheric smoke – which if they ran the air conditioner, they just get rid of it. So it was like 100 degrees under all of this Klingon uh, nonsense. And Ferengi, everybody there was wearing way too much makeup and way too many clothes for 100 degrees. So uh, anyway, so Gowron's there, which is the big deal to us next-gen folks. And the brother is there, the adversarial brother, and he's about to get the house transferred to him when Grilka barges in and says, not so fast. She announces that she's married Quark, who is now the head of the house. There's an old Klingon bylaw that says that whomever kills a house leader can take his place. She has now used the brother's story against him. So the, uh, so that was, uh, so she, she tricked him. She tricked the brother. Very smart. And great writing here, great pacing, I would say, because 
They're setting us up to think, oh, Quark, what have you gotten yourself into again this time? Clearly, she's pulling all the strings and he's being used as a prop. So he's been the Grand Negus. He's been this. He's been that. But like he's always kind of used as the as the the folly. And uh, there could be a twisty twist upcoming. Yeah, he might some prove his worth. So Gowron says, all right, for now, we will respect the ritual, assuming that Quark killed him in honorable combat. Right. And uh, the house is now known as the house of Quark. Quark, Quark, Quark. That's the that's the custom right there. That's a cool outfit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really funny writing. Um, I, I, I thought that having Gowron mess up his name, which is it's, Trek is not always good at being funny on the page. But I thought they nailed that. So the true comedy for Mike, and unfortunately I hadn't hit record when we started, when we were doing kind of like our setup, me and Jen, uh, Mm -hmm. she kept calling him Quirk. She did. Um, (laughs) No, uh, some, some, some alternate name and I was Mm -hmm. laughing because. So is Jen Gowron now? She's got the hair. She's the, uh, the chancellor. Maybe, maybe she's chancellor Jen. (laughs) It could be. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have to see after taxes, Keith. <laughs> Actually, oh, to, right. we should talk about that. Yeah, I have to do my taxes too. I hate it. So in Act 4, uh, Quark asks Grilka, what's next? What do we do now? And turns out she doesn't have a plan and has no idea what to do next. But luckily, Quark has one. And he's like, you know what? Enough of me being led around like a nobody. Let's have an equal partnership. You tell me what's going on, and I might be able to help. Great. Love it. She explains that Kozak has bankrupted the house and owes a ton of money to the brother, who is exploiting that weakness to take over. And Quark says, show me the books. Uh, Grilka says, Klingons don't do TurboTax. But Quark says, can't hurt. Uh, So, great. This is where Quark gets to be useful. Uh, it's it's showing, you know, we talk about Quark is written sometimes to be really dumb yeah. and sometimes really smart. And, and dumbing down your characters for plot contrivances is just bad writing. And this is where we actually get to use Quark, the intelligent Quark, smartly and cleverly in a plot. And you can still shorthand it, right? Like we don't have to know the actual bips and bops of what he's doing he just he his superpower is finances and being able to sniff him around so we just have him use that you know and allow him to use his powers it's great so later o'brien is working on his design for keiko's arboretum and see there see that's that's one of the pads i'd love to have Mm, that's cool um and of course at this point that's not digital right that's literally a sticker on a piece of wood because that technology didn't exist yet so uh, he asks Bashir's advice on it. And he says, the design looks great. Uh, but Bashir gives it only two months of making her happy. And he says, in a serious disagreement. This is a, a great smile, line. Whoever wrote such, this was it's like. so good. It's brilliant. A smile and sweet words buys you two hours. Flowers will buy you a week. An arboretum will buy you two months. But in the end, you need to resolve the underlying issue. The Arboretum is just a hobby. She needs a profession, not a hobby. 
Bashir's IQ and EQ has gone up about 50 points between seasons. You know, it's funny you say that because I've been getting into... So <clears throat> we talked about on Geekly how I have this obsession with documentaries. I also have an obsession with... Um, well, cults is what I said, but uh, survival shows because it's like uh-huh. dancing. It's one of those things that I have so little facility with that it's like magic to me, right? It's like watching people dance. I'm like, that's magic because my body, I, I can't even comprehend. I was really curious where that was going to go. Survival shows are like dancing. I'm like what? Yeah, I can't do them. So they seem yeah. like magic. I just assume it's magic. And so watching magic is fun. And so these like naked and afraid or alone sure. and Netflix yeah. has a new, I think it's Netflix has a new like alone but teams it's weird anyway <laughs> long story short you know they do like the survivalist rating and they start right. at like a 6.9 and but if they survive the challenge they've gone to a 9.6 and i thought in my head during the scene i was like oh uh, clearly his uh, emotion quotient went from like a 3.2 to a 9.8 in like yeah one i don't know what happened like he had a lot of therapy or or, or something happened between seasons because dum dum bashir all of a sudden dropping but some wisdom what i do appreciate is that the the jump in their relationship does not feel mm. forced, right? They've done yeah. enough table setting throughout seasons one and two that, like, they're on an upward trajectory. It's still not foolproof, but, like, the buddy copping does not seem well, out of nowhere to It makes sense me. now that they'd be having lunch together, where that it, it wouldn't have made sense. But, yeah, again, you know, I've, I've said it many times, character development on Deep Space Nine puts all other Trek to shame. Mm-hmm. And every... Every piece of this story is showing that. Uh, really cool. So uh, we head back to Kronos, and Quark has figured out that the brother, Dagor, has been undermining the house financially for a decade. Like a Ferengi. Mm. Grilka asks, can you prove this to the council? And he's like, yeah, I can. And uh, she gives the, another great line. I'm very grateful for all you've done, Quark which is why I'm going to let you take your hand off my thigh instead of shattering every bone in your body. Genuine LOL. So funny. Like, great character work. Hilarious. So then Quark goes back to the Klingon High Council, and they are all wildly and hilariously confused, trying to understand the financial malfeasance. Let's hold on. This time out. Like the sequ- you don't even need the lines. Let's just take a sequence... Of screenshots to, to explain <laughs> this whole scene. <clears throat> yeah. Just great performances. Yep, that's the I'm going to kill you. As like, I understand I'm cornered. They're We're going to laugh about this so I don't die. It's great. It's great. So, uh, anyway, Gowron finally gives up on trying to understand what's going on with the fantasy. I think there's a, there's a great shot of him <laughs> with the giant Gowron bug eyes trying to read the TurboTax receipts. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh so much. And then he just throws the calculator. He's like, ah, oh, enough with that. He gives up, but he confronts Dagore, the evil brother. And Dagore says, I demand a trial by combat because that's how we roll. And he says he has new evidence that the death was not an accident now. So he's he's turned the tables yet again, and he has a witness, and the witness is Rom. 
And in Act Five, <laughs> Qu- <laughs> poor Rom. He, uh, Quark and Rom try to sneak away in the night, but Grilka stops him. Go, go back one. Look at that amazing wall deck, uh, forward. Uh, there it is. That amazing wall decoration. Look at that set design. So good. And the way it's lit too. So cool. So, uh, they try to sneak away in the night, but Grilka stops them. She says, you have to prove you're not a liar by fighting. There's some Klingon logic. But uh, she gives up and says, all right, fine, you're going to lose. Let's him leave. But Rom hesitates. 1994? Look at how... If you had shown me... If you show me this today... Now, yes, this is AI upscaled slightly, but... Right. I'd be like, you could win an Emmy for that. That's incredible. Look how good that looks. Oh, it looks fantastic. I mean... I would like that painting. Give me that painting. I'll put that on my wall. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, buddy. I can't open your window because I'm tied down by my headphones. Sorry, Charlie. All right. So, cat, dad, extraordinaire. So now we're going to have a battle with the cat all episode long. My cats are sitting outside the door crying because they're like, why am I locked out? This is terrible. We're we're so mean to our cats. I know, Jen's away. You know what's funny is for some reason they don't like love to sleep together. But when Jen's gone and it's just me in the bed, they're all on top of me. It's weird. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Why don't they like Jen? It's not that they don't like Jen. I think that they're like, she's she's alpha. So when she's gone, they're like, oh, I can, they're jockeying for position. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't know where they are in relation to each other, but they all know they're above you. Yeah, there you go. I think that's, that's, the, uh, that's the story there. So uh, anyway, they realize, they're like, you're fine, get out of here. But then Quark's guilt kicks in. And it's like, uh, maybe I got to think about this. So the next day at the council, everyone is there for the fight. But Quark isn't. They're about to give away the house when Quark shows up with a batleth. And Grilka is into it. So Quark faces off with the brother in combat. But of course, Quark throws the batleth aside. He says, go ahead, kill me. Here I am. He knows that if he fights, he'll die, and it will be nothing more than an execution. And there is no honor or glory in an execution. Damar says, okie dokie. But of course, Gowron stops him. And he says, I didn't want to I didn't want to believe you were scummy. But you are willing if you are willing to kill a helpless Ferengi, you have no honor. He then does the ritual of discommendation and he is stripped of his honor. And this ritual is a ritual we have seen before in a much more dramatic fashion, excuse me, uh, fashion as opposed to this comedic version. Gowron is impressed with Quark, a brave Ferengi who would have thought it possible. He gives Grilka the house and Grilka asks, uh, how she can repay Quark. He asks for a divorce. Naturally. She slaps him and spits on him to consummate the divorce. Then kisses him. Kapla, Quark. And yeah. Rom gives face of all face. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you get some, Quark. So we head back 
to the station in Quarks, and the Dabo tables are rolling yet again. Keiko and O'Brien watch from above. O'Brien tells her, I've heard of a botany expedition on Bajor, and you'd be good for the job. But it's a six-month expedition. She can take Molly with her, and he knows she needs this to be happy. And she knows she made a promise to stay and make it work, but he says this is more important. And in a just fantastic marriage moment there. Uh, Love it. It's real. And lastly, at the bar, Rom says Quark was magnificent in there. He now has something more important than money. Respect. His brother's respect. And that is the end of the House of Quark. We are going to discuss it in great detail, but only after a very important Vocabulary quiz for... And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. All right, my uh, Mike, got three today. Okay. First up, what is Kronos? Kronos is the Klingon homeworld. Yes, it is. All right, who is Gowron? Gowron, Keith, sits at the head of the Council of Klingons and makes the uh, decisions about the bips and bops. Indeed! And while you mentioned it, what is the Klingon High Council? They determine who's honorable, who's dishonorable, and make all the decisions. They're like the Supreme Court, but less partisan. Yes. Perfect. Well done. Three for three, Mike. Thank you. It's time to move along home. Okay, here we are, attention Bajoran workers, we are here for the Alamoremis, and uh, we begin, as always, with wormholes in the plot. Are there any wormholes of the plot? Well, I guess less a wormhole and more just kind of a, a plot contrivance. I've tried to wrap my head around, like, the brother's plan? It seems like, what was he doing? He was trying, what was he doing to their finances? How did he know about their finances? How did he have access to their finances? And did he know that his brother would die dishonorably? And so he followed him around? Like, he just, I guess if you assume, if your brother's a a drunk gambler, you can assume he's probably going to die in some sort of a bar scrap. So did he know it would be dishonorable or, and he was checking up or it's just a little muddy. And like, what was he doing with the money? How did he have access to their money? What was he, how was he weakening their house? If he was trying to take over the house, wouldn't he want it to be financially strong so he could get their money? Well, yeah, okay. So there, there's a lot there. I think the the financial malfeasance part of it makes sense. Like he, he knew that his brother was, you know, disreputable. He was clearly had a, had a, had a drinking issue and so probably was able to exploit that into siphoning money out of the house. And so it it wasn't necessarily about making the house's money weaker. It was about taking it for himself. And so like it it wasn't, he wasn't just throwing it out the window. He was taking advantage of it and then weakening the house so that he had an opportunity to take it over. I I think that the, the brother dying was just an opportunity for him Mm. less than a plan. Um, 
And so, you know, by by the bylaws, if he died honorably, then it left the house headless. So he could then pounce in that situation. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, there, there, it is sort of inferred that this was all a plan by the brother. Like he'd, he'd had this whole, which, which d- doesn't make a lot of sense. Like he, he was sort of guessing that he was going to die soon, mm-hmm. but maybe that, maybe that wasn't the plan. Maybe the plan was just to take his money. Right. And then an opportunity came up when Quark killed him. Yeah. And um, then I guess I would also say, but it's not really a plot hole. I, in that all of the like, Quark business stuff doesn't really amount to anything. It doesn't really, because the the Klingons sort of dismiss it, but it does allow him to basically call the brother a liar and then him, uh, you know, challenge him, which I guess is important because otherwise there's no real right. trigger well, I, for, I, the, for, the, for the combat. I, I think they were trying to convince Gowron that he was not worthy to take over the house. So it was like a two-step process, right? Because he's like, I'm going to take over the house because the the heir has been has been removed. So by laws of inheritance or whatever, it goes to the brother. Right. And so Grilka was asking for special circumstances. All right, buddy. The cat runs our life. Um, so it, it was really about undermining the brother's honor, which, which came in two parts. One, that he... he like stole like a Ferengi and two that he would be willing to kill an unarmed person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it gets a little muddy in the, the inheritance of it all. Um, but I don't necessarily care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I'm just, kind of, it, do you have anything it, that's like more officially wormholey? I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's very, it, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Like that's what it's, it's it's sort of all about that. So let's talk about our best moment. <sighs> There's so many good moments. I think I counted four legit LOLs, like four legitimate, not like oh cute or like laugh out louds, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> which all need to be commended. But for me, I have to, you know, it's my justice for Keiko. I mm. I want to shout out, kind of all of the B story stitched together mm-hmm. as one little scene. Cause it's really kind of what it is. Um, it just so it depicts what is so often, uh, troped in a network television, uh, mm-hmm. a mar- marriage trope. Oh, the husband thinks he done effed up. How's he going to bumble along and fix it? And we get all of those beats, but none of them are played comically. It's all really grounded and it's all, O'Brien's search to help rectify a situation which without kind of recognizing and 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 then his friends never go, ooh, you know, like oh, you done messed up. They all offer him counsel and and caution him to not look for quick fixes. And I think the way it's resolved. Now, granted, knowing that it's a, a production contrivance is does cheapen it a little bit, but actually in some ways it bolsters it because wow, did they really they could they have really just had to they really, find a solution to this. They really could yeah. have just, you know, done it in a half a scene and just written them off. But they they gave it care. They let it tell a story. They let it sh- like align with the ethics and compassion and empathy of the of the series and their ideals. Really, just wonderfully done and executed perfectly by Colin Meany, Colin Meany, 
calm meaning column. column meaning and uh rosalind chow just chef's kiss not overdone i just think that b story i'm gonna pick is my best moment well and, and i think it got that story got elevated a letter grade when the arboretum wasn't enough yeah yeah right? i think so many shows especially in this era would think that solves the problem that that's enough, but this show had the wisdom to know that wasn't enough. That wasn't it, and and I I think that that is that's really where it elevates from a pretty good story to a fantastically wise story. Um, so yeah, I mean I I think that that is my best moment as well. But just for the sake of differences, uh, the thing that made me genuinely laugh out loud was Robert O'Reilly's performance as Gowron, who has never been played comedically before. He's big, he's scary, he's Klingon, but House House of Quack. And and his his just the visual of him staring at the little thingy and his bug eyes made me laugh out loud twice. Um so that that gets my my special Yeah, nobody rolled their eyes at the comedic nature of the episode right like everybody was like okay that's the road we're, we're we're going down let's commit to it even those who you know don't i would imagine that the what was the actor's name played galron robert o'reilly and the the female klingon uh oh, Grilka, Grilka, played, right. played by fantastic actress we all respect and love mary kate mary adams candy adams I think I just said Candy Adams, but well, Candy Adams. <laughs> um, no. no, all said okay. Oh, I'm getting to play a, a a Klingon. Great. Oh, it's she's comedic. Oh, guess what? Nailed it. So, yeah. kudos to everybody to for just you know sometimes uh, commitment is eighty percent of the battle. And and that's what allows it to still feel consistent in our world, mm-hmm. even though it's a comedy episode. If you play it straight, you don't play it for comedy. You get your comedy through investment in mm-hmm. a ridiculous situation, and that's how it works in our world. So uh, I think it's time to start handing out some self-sealing stem bolts. You get some stem bolts. Hell yeah, they are self-sealing. Here are some stem bolts for you. Okay, Mike, how many self-sealing stem bolts do you give this episode? Keith, (laughs) what have you done to me? I was in the shower (laughs) last night, uh, and I had finished, you know, my bathing duties, and I'm just standing there. uh, I do not want to know where the rest of the story goes. I'm just standing there soaking, contemplating the dilemma I find myself in with this episode. Because let me just say this. I effing love it. I loved it. I can't remember yeah. the last time I just blatantly LOL'd four or five times in a sitting yeah. of, of, a, of a show. Definitely not a Star Trek show. And, <laughs> no, right. But I'm thinking to myself, but, but we've just reset the table. I mean, there are no, no stakes in this episode, really, like in, in the big picture. Right. But do the big picture stakes hold weight? when discussing individual stem bolts. Like in the grand pantheon of episodes of, of Deep Space Nine, are we going to come back and be like, House of Quark? Probably not. But when judged upon its own, 
what else could you want? Incredible performances, playing against type, against trope. Quark, not set up like he's just going to be the comedic foil, but turns out to actually have some true heroic moments using his powers in the face of, and then also basically fighting against rewriting uh, the the Ferengi stereotype, not just on the show, but to other races. Like he basically changes what is thought of the Ferengis to the entire Klingon council. That's humongous. That does have yeah, ramifications. He earned the respect of the Klingon high council. That's big time. Uh, I thought the B story, which could have been a toss away, was actually incredibly heartfelt and in, in, imbued so much pathos. In fact, I'm going to be sad until they are reconciled. I hope that we, I hope they don't just leave those breadcrumbs to rot and that we see how that relationship endures the long distance and, and all of that. Uh, what else? Uh, I thought the pacing was incredible. Yeah. I think as a bottle episode, so for the, there's nothing not to love. Okay. So I've had, where do you rank it? How do you stem bolt it? If I go too high, I'm going to come back and be like, I've, I've set the table to it. So I feel that it is my duty to express my enthusiasm and love for the episode. And yet mm. be, be conservative in my awarding of stem bolts. Uh, so I, I, I'd like the asterisk known, Keith, that this is one well, of but, my. But here's the thing. You don't have to. You don't have to be conservative. You know, like. It, this is, I'm, I'm going to blow your mind. Okay, forget it. Then I don't want this you to blow is, my mind. No, don't, this don't, is not don't science. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is not science. I understand. It's fun. But I just want you to know that my commitment <laughs> yeah. for the show has changed. I was standing in the shower wrestling. <laughs> With the ethics. So, Keith, well, you just changed my mind by giving me that permission. Because I was no, follow your heart. This is about your heart. 93 stem bolts. 93 stem bolts for the house of Quark. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't, I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, I, I think. Even, the, even the, the little bit of time, the rest of, let, let me, okay, so a knock could be, well, mm-hmm. our other main cast isn't in it, but let's look at their like little show up for the set for one hour. Uh, uh, Julian, incredible scene. Well acted, yeah. well performed, well written. Like, who is this guy? Furthers their relationship. Yeah. Cisco, perfect Ciscoing. You know what? I respect you. I respect your family. I'll give you exactly what you want, even though I'm going to have to pull some red tape on the side to get it done. Right. But I'll take it a step further. As a friend, I'm going to caution you it's not going to work. Yeah. Dax and Kira, they both have little quippy scenes, but it is funny. It is meaningful, it is well thought, and one of the best lines of the show, given to Dax. It makes sense of their character, too. There's yeah, nothing I've, not to I've, like here. I've been a husband, and I've been a wife, and I've seen both sides of that face. Like, Production design, incredible counsel. Matte paintings weren't even that bad. Makeup, insane. Loved this episode. Yeah. I like You do not have to justify your 93, sir. Uh, He's it's like, a- 61. <laughs> <laughs> 43. He's setting it up. No, I mean, it's... I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think it's I think it's a great episode. Um, I think it's uh, for all the reasons you said, and I think it's an episode that I have come to like more as I got older. Well, right? like juxt- I'm still- sorry, I'm I'm still going. Yeah, juxtapose it with the last 
comedic quark episode in a, like what last episode, first episode of the season where he's just like he's putting on, uh, you know, like goo and he's itchy and he's complaining and he's just a pain in the butt. What? You clearly can write really good comedic quark episodes. So do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. I, I think when I was 13. You want to be like. I, w- I would have been like this O'Brien Keiko thing. Mm. It's boring. Who cares? This right. doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, the, the, where are the stakes at 42 and having gone through a marriage and having gone like lived a little bit. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so like interesting. And, and you know, it's not like deep, but it's relevant and it's, it's true. It's a, it is a very real thing it's it, it's it's what makes the makes the show feel real like well we've got klingons and warp and wormholes whatever stuff stories like this make it real make these characters real make this environment real so i really liked it um and uh yeah it's it's fun it's it's great to see klingons on the show we're gonna have obviously a lot more klingons as we move forward um yeah so uh I, i'm actually not that far off you I'm going to give it a full 90. Okay, uh, great. Stembolts, because I, I think it's a really fun episode. It, it's, it's I think it's one of the classic Quark episodes. If you if you want to give, you know, Quark episodes a, a top five episodes, I think it's one of Quark's top five. You know, and it, it, we'll get to the other Stembolts here of CEO Jen. Um, but the thing, other thing I was thinking is that it really, science fiction can often, uh, the, the specific genre of it can can pigeonhole you often, right? Yeah. Uh, like, genre itself can often pigeonhole you. Like, take, for example, like, uh, sorry to be indelicate, but take uh, Law & Order SVU. You're not going to find many comedic episodes of SVU, right? right. You're probably not going to get a musical episode of SVU. So it can be very limiting, right? <laughs> I want to write one, though. <laughs> uh, let's not pursue that joke. The, um but here you would think science fiction. Oh, we got the Dominion War, but pew pew pew, uh, people dying. Blow- I mean, was it not but an episode ago? A starship, galaxy class starship, blew up and yeah. killing all aboard. So you would think, oh, how are we going to handle a comedic episode? Not but one episode later, two episodes later. But they're able to do it and it, it, spoiled, but not really. From some of the customs I've seen of this sort of like. That would appear to be like fantastical sort of cabaret episodes with like music and people like clearly that is existing in a heightened reality, heightened portion of the genre, which is incredible to me. I haven't seen them yet. I'm excited to see where else we can broaden this and yeah. and know from this episode that we can do it. We can, they can all exist in this one kind of yeah. uh, reality we've created. That's really awesome, ballsy, and it's explaining why you and many others think this is the uh, this the yeah. unsung hero of the of the Star Wars Star Trek. Universe. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with all of that, and I, I think it is always about connecting it with character, connecting it with real emotional stakes so that when we get into that world that you're referencing that I, I'm not going to give away too much about the real emotional stakes of that world will blow you away. Can't and wait. I think that's, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, and you know, when people say that deep space nine gets good 
when the Dominion stuff starts happening, it's not all about the pew-pew. It's not even all about the Dominion at all. It's about the extra seasoning it adds to an episode like this one, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with everything, but it's still driving the plot. Why are O'Brien and Keiko dealing with Because of the Dominion. Why? Literally everybody else left the station, all of the kids? The Bajoran families are like, we're pacing out. This is going to get blown out of the sky. And it it drove every single piece of this, right? Why is Quark's empty? Because people are afraid to go to the bar. Why is it? It's like the Dominion conflict informs every, both the A and the B story without really being a story here. And so now, that, Keith, we do have a conflict. Okay. What's that? We've both given high rankings. We really enjoyed uh-huh. the episode, but we've, of the four opinions, ours, yeah. our two are the least important. Obviously. So we have to go to Chancellor Jen. To the dead. Iron chair of the chancellor. Chancellor? chancellor. <laughs> wow, that really worked well. Here's Jen's Here's thing. Jen's thing. Here's Jen's thing. <laughs> but you, Jen, don't have that opportunity. No time to think. You're put on the spot. What did you think of the episode? It was great. It was really, really great. So entertaining. You know I love Quark. Quark. And then there were some really great scenes with O'Brien and Keiko. I really liked the scenes with O'Brien and Cisco and Bashir. Well, I really loved when Quark was like looking at the ledgers, doing his like businessman thing, helping her. But him coming back at the end was the best. So brave, really courageous, proud of him for doing the right thing. I'm going to say 92. I went low last week. Yeah, I'm going to say 92. It was really entertaining. I really liked it. There we go. Whoa. You have been awarded Stemple. 92, says Jen. 92. Wow. Okay. So, uh, folks, we desperately want to know how many self-sealing Stembolts do you give it? Uh, Write it in the comments below. We will announce them all next week when we are talking about the episode Equilibrium. Uh, I'm fascinated to find out what you think of this episode. All of our social nonsense is below you right here. You can find us on all yeah, of the Yeah, people have nonsense. been following me on the on the on the on the on the things uh and on the YouTubes and the and it's that's awesome. Thanks guys. So we wow. appreciate the con- the contact. It's, it's not cool. following me. What the hell? Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you can do us a giant favor by giving this video a like. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Tell a friend. Um, it really helps us. The more people who watch this, you can also find the audio only version of this show on any podcasting service of your choice. It's called KM Watch Deep Space Nine. And while you're there, you can read leave it a rating and review, which will also help more people. Find us. Thank you so much for watching. Check out our other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys and K&M Geekly. We'll be back here next week with Equilibrium. Till then, this has been Keenan Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching K&M Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M.